in a series we've been looking at over the last couple of months, the Church Ablaze, studying here in the book of Acts. And we want to continue tonight looking here at Acts chapter 2. <clears throat> 2. We're going to look at several different passages of Scripture tonight. And just encourage you to, to follow along there in your Bible, if you would. It's good that you brought your Bible. This is a Bible study. That's what we're doing on our 7 o'clock time as we get together to, on Wednesday nights. I'm, I, I enjoy it. I hope you all are learning and growing through this. Um, some of this is going to be review. Hopefully some of it's going to be things that will help you to be able to um, defend your faith, know why you believe what you believe, um, get a better understanding of the, um, what Pentecost was, uh, the beginning of the church, the transitional periods that we see here. We're looking at Acts chapter 2, and tonight we're continuing on and talking about the subject, is the gift of tongues for today? Is the gift of tongues for today? Let's read this passage of Scripture. We'll do some review, and then we'll jump in where we left off last week. Notice there, if you would, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? Now remember the word language there in verse number 6 is the, we get the, our word today from the Greek word dialect. The, and then also there the word tongue in verse number 8 is talking about the dialect that they spoke. It was the language that they were speaking. And so we want to continue looking at this and answering the question is the gift of tongues for today. Let's have a word of prayer. We'll get into some review and pick up where we left off. Lord, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the privilege to know you. Thank you, Lord, for giving us your word. Lord, thank you for allowing us to see just the, the wonderful, amazing miracle of the church and how you uh, planted it, Lord, and, and how you established it. And Lord, we see that uh, all the wonderful works that you did, Lord, to proclaim it. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you would help us to learn, help our faith to grow, help us to be strong. I pray, Lord, that we'd be ready to give an answer to any man that would ask. I pray, Lord, that we would continue to study, uh, to show ourselves approved, a workman that needeth not be ashamed. I pray, Lord, that we would truly rightly divide your word. Speak to our hearts tonight, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, speaking in tongues is one of those subjects that really causes a lot of, of uh, uh, disagreements. It might not be something you've heard of. Some of you have. Some of you have had people that have come to you and they, they've talked to you about it. They've tried to convince you of it or perhaps even have gotten you to think about it. And it's something that you have questions about. There's a lot of questions in people's minds today and there's a lot of uh, challenges when it comes to the subject the whole charismatic movement and the Pentecostals. When you say Pentecostal, they're talking about Pentecost, obviously. And, and so there's, there's a, a lot of um, misinformation when it comes to this today. A lot of people base what they believe not on the Word of God, but based on the feelings that they have, the experience that they have. 
And many of them, as I spoke last week, they talk about tongues giving them uh, health, happiness. Uh, one even said it made them look younger. I mean, I, it's, it's funny to me to say that, but you, can you imagine? They, they actually believe that. And, and they have uh, uh, amazing results as a result of it. And I asked the question last week, what could possibly go wrong with such an experience? What could go wrong is it's an experience and it's not founded on the Word of God. There are some things that we ought to experience, salvation, the love of God. Experience isn't bad in of itself, but it never should be contrary to the Word of God. So what does the Scriptures say? That's what we always must go back to. We as Baptist believers, we believe that the Word of God is the final authority for all that we practice in our faith. Everything that we do is based on the Word of God. There's a final authority. And so we go back to Scripture. And so last week we began with the the first point in our our main outline here of, of looking at the meaning of this gift. What is the meaning of it? If you go back and look at the word tongue there in chapter 2 and verse number 3, it's it's the Greek word glossa. Uh, Last week I mentioned that that word, that Greek word is used 50 times in the New Testament. Um, And of the 50 times, 16 of those times is talking about literally the human tongue. Literally the human tongue. Like for instance in chapter uh, 2 verse 3 where it says cloven tongues like as a fire. It's literally talking about the tongue. It's not talking about a language at that point. It's talking about the actual physical tongue. 33 times, though, the the word means languages. And so you can see in the New Testament how it's used. So it's either physically the tongue or it's about a language. And so not once in the Bible, though, we have to remember is that where tongues mean a heavenly language that only God understands. Never is that the way this word is used in the Bible. We looked at some examples of that. We looked at uh, the gift of tongues and how the fact that they were known languages... Uh, we went back and looked here in Acts chapter 2 to begin with on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, unbelievers were present at Pentecost. They heard God's message proclaimed in their own local dialects. They said that all the men that were speaking were from where? We just read it. Where are they from? Galileans. Exactly right. That's why I do stuff like that, just to get you thinking, all right? They were the Galileans, and yet they were hearing it in their own language or tongue in that specific word now it's the word dialect they heard it in their own specific dialect they were hearing it as though it was something right from home they heard it just like they would have heard it if they were in their house talking to their family you might say you might also say their heart language they were hearing it and they heard the word of god and they were amazed by that so there's no question what's happening here in acts chapter 2 is a is a, a known tongue it was something they knew it was unknown to the speaker but these people were hearing it in their own dialect We also went and looked at Acts chapter 10, the house of Cornelius. The house of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, verse 46, it says, And they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God, then answered Peter. What's significant about the house of Cornelius? What's interesting there that they heard them speak with tongues? When, when, When Peter heard this, what was significant? What was the big deal about it? Remember last week we talked about this. We talked about it in a little bit of depth. What was significant about Cornelius and his household speaking in tongues? Anybody remember? I'll help you out. They like to eat pork. Does that help you? They were Gentiles. Very good. All right. So they were Gentiles. Here we see, and we talked about this last week. Once again, it's the exact same Greek word, glossa. It's talking about a known language. They began to speak, and it was a signifying to Peter. You look at chapter 11. We saw that last week, how that Peter, God had to speak to him in a vision for him to go to begin with. And when Peter came back and he recounted what took place, he was saying that even God 
is reaching the Gentiles, that even the Gentiles show that they have the Holy Ghost upon them. And so it was a sign for the Jews once again. But God used it through the Gentiles to show that they were part of the church as well. It was not just for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. Um, and we, we looked at a couple of other passages as well. For sake of time, I'm not going to go there. We saw a transition from Old Testament to New Testament saints. Um, and we saw how Paul was writing to the church at Corinth and correcting them um, for not handling uh, the, the gift of tongues properly. The things were done without order. Paul, that's where you hear things done decently in order. They were not doing that. And so, but every instance that we see, it was not this mumble-jumble stuff that you hear today that people call tongues. If you've ever seen it, it's actually, it's rather creepy to me. It really is. It, it, it doesn't sound to me at all like a heavenly tongue. It sounds like something that comes from a far different place than heaven. And when you hear it, it's a known language. Well, that's what we see in the Bible, a known language. Um, when I say known, not known to the person saying the words, but the person hearing the words. It was known to them, but it was a known tongue or dialect. And so we looked at the meaning of this gift. Bottom line, it was a language. It was a known language. Secondly, this is where we're going to pick up tonight. This is where we left off last week. And I want us to look at the motive behind the gift of tongues. What's the motive? What's the reason for it? Why did it exist? Why was tongues given? And so I want to just very quickly look at what I believe, why I believe in looking at the Word of God, why tongues were given. The first one is this. It was to enunciate God's judgment. It was to enunciate God's judgment. It was assigned to the Jewish nation. I want you to take your Bible now. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Look at verse number 21, if you would. Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 21. In the law, it is written... Now, let me stop for just a moment. He's quoting the law. He is quoting Isaiah here. We're going to look at Isaiah where he quotes in just a moment, but just keep that in mind. So he's speaking to the church of Corinth. He's quoting the Old Testament, the law. And he says, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that that, that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe What's the next word? Not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. So he says tongues are for a sign. A sign for whom? Help me out tonight. It's a sign for who? Unbelievers. That's exactly what Paul says. He's telling the church at Corinth that this is for unbelievers. In other words, what he's saying to them is you guys are doing all this mess inside the church and all this speaking in tongues and people aren't even there that it's for. You're using this as, as some pet uh, gift in order to edify yourself, yet it's not, you're not using for what it's for. You're using it in the wrong context. And so it, we need to understand that. So here's another question. Are they speaking in tongues? Is, is to a Christian, does it confirm the baptism of the Holy Spirit then? Does speaking in tongues confirm the baptism of the Holy Spirit according to what Paul just said? Yes or no? Help me out. Come on, folks. No, of course not. It's for the unbeliever. It's for the unbeliever. It's not for me to prove to you as a child of God that I 
am a child of God. That's, that's not what it's for at all. And yet that's what we see today being used. They say that if you speak in tongues, it is a, a sign gift that you have received the Holy Ghost. And yet Paul, he said to the church at Corinth that it's not even for believers. It's for unbelievers. They're not assigned to Christians, but to unbelievers. And so Paul, he's quoting here in Isaiah. I'm going to put it up on the screen for you. Notice what it says. This is what Paul is quoting. What's he talking about? In Isaiah 28, verse 11, he says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people, to whom he said, This is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. Yet they would not hear. So what is this referring to? This is referring to a time in history of Israel when they turned away from God. And through Isaiah came this warning. What was he warning of? He was, he was prophesying of the invasion from Assyria. You read the context, you'll find that. He's prophesying of the invasion from Syria and Israel's resulting captivity. He's trying to get them to pay attention. God gave him the word in, in Isaiah saying, Thus saith the Lord. You're going to, listen, you're going to hear men speak in languages you don't understand. They're going to be your conquerors. They're going to capture you. And, and you'll know when you hear such that my judgment has come. That's what he's telling them in Isaiah. And Paul, some 780 years um, Paul later, Paul, he writes this to the church at Corinth, quoting that. A long time ago that had happened, and there was fulfillment to that prophecy, and, and, and we see what happened to Israel as they were brought into captivity under the Assyrians, speaking in a different language. But now, here we see, Paul is writing this, and once again, God was getting ready to judge Israel. God's going to judge Israel. I want you to look over at Luke chapter 21, look at verse number 20 if you would. Go to Luke chapter 21. Paul's making a connection here. He's using this connection of speaking in tongues and, and when, when Isaiah spoke of it. Now speaking in tongues, once again, is speaking in a known language. And Paul is talking about here, in quoting that, about God's judgment. Look at, if you would, at Luke chapter 21, verse number 20. And when you, when you shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them which are in the midst of it depart out. And let not them that are in the countries enter therein too. For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days. For there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon his people." And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. And here's the key that tells you the time frame of this, okay? Some people would misinterpret the scripture as talking about the end times. But that's not what this is talking about. Because Christ says, until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. What's going to happen to the children of Israel until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled? According to what Jesus Christ himself said here. Do you see it? What's going to happen? Until the times of the Gentiles. In a nutshell, you might want to summarize it for me. What's going to happen? They're going to be in bondage or they're going to be, they're going to be conquered. Jerusalem's going to be destroyed. Jesus Christ prophesied of the temple being destroyed. Do you remember? In 70 AD, that's exactly what happened when Titus came in as a great Roman general and conquered Israel. 
destroyed the temple, turned over every rock. There was no standing stone left. Completely turned it over. He conquered it. And even today, you can go back, they found ruins today of that 70 AD event where where the the Romans were going into all the countryside where all the Israelites lived, burning their, their cities down burning down their villages. There was places where they actually found where they had, the, the people in the city would have tried to barricade themselves in, and, and they destroyed them all. And, and you can see the fire still from when the Romans burnt everything, when they dug these up. Now, you say all of that. All that was happening. God was going to judge them. Judgment was coming. Jesus Christ spoke of that judgment that was coming. He spoke of Jerusalem being, being destroyed. He talked about the temple being destroyed. Man, that made, that made the Pharisees, it made the, the, the priests very angry with him, if you remember in his life, when Christ was living and, and how they hated what he was saying. But he is talking about this. And it's, it's similar that we're seeing here. There's going to be judgment coming. The speaking in tongues is, is, is once again a sign to the Jews that judgment is coming. So it's to enunciate God's judgment, number one. And so, number two, I believe that, that tongues were given to indicate God's purpose. To indicate God's purpose. Go back to Acts chapter 2, if you would. Are you all awake tonight? That's what I thought. Let's try that again. Are you awake tonight? Would you say amen or something? I mean, would you just like say hi or something? <laughs> It's so quiet in here. We got rid of all the echo, and I, I can't tell if you're awake or sleeping or not. So I, I, I really want you to really try to focus in on, and some of you are tired. You've been hunting. Man, some of you shot some nice deer yesterday or today, and, and uh, some of you worked all day outside, and I understand that. But just try to really focus, because I, I, I believe it's really important. And to me, it's exciting. I, I hope you can catch that. But I want us to look here. You see in Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And so we see here, I believe the gift was given. The purpose of it was to indicate God's purpose. God's purpose. And we look at what's happening here in the day of Pentecost. With the establishment of the church on the day of Pentecost, a new day had dawned for the people of God. There was a major transition taking place here. For 2,000 years, the Jews were specially chosen, specifically chosen, privileged people. They were God's people. For 2,000 years, God was primarily working through them. Now, there were Gentiles that did come. There were proselytes that came through, but they, they joined in with the, the Jewish belief. But now, from now on, the barriers were down, and God would speak to all nations and all languages. We see it opening up. Talk about the time of the Gentiles. Tongues were therefore a sign of transition between the old and the new. But once the period of transition was passed, the sign was no longer necessary. That's what we need to understand. The time came. There was a purpose for it. There was a time, first of all, I talked about God's judgment was coming. That time has passed at this moment. We see also the transition between the old and the new. And so once that transition took place, it was no longer necessary. I like what Palmer Robinson wrote in his book. He said, Tongues served well to show that Christianity, though begun in the cradle of Judaism, was not to be distinctively Jewish now that the transition between the Old and New Covenants had been made. And signs of transition has no abiding value in the life of the church. Today there is no need for a sign to show that God is moving from the single nation of Israel to all nations. That moving has become an accomplished fact. 
It is something that is part of history. It is something that has transitioned. It is something that is done. There is no need for it today to show that God is reaching out to the world beyond just the Jewish people. Today, we don't need to repeat Pentecost. We need to understand it. I've heard people say, uh, we, we need to repeat Pentecost. We need Pentecost once again. No, we don't. Pentecost was a one-time event. Pentecost has never been repeated, and it never will be repeated again. We need to understand that we don't need to repeat Pentecost any more than we need to repeat Bethlehem nor Calvary. There were one-time events that took place. And so Bethlehem was God with us. Calvary was God for us. Pentecost was God in us. It's the way of looking at it. And and we see the progression of how it happened. It's not something you go back and repeat. And so the gift of tongues, it related to the childhood of the church, the very beginning during that transitional period of time. And in arguing for the temporary nature of certain gifts, including tongues, Paul, he used the illustration of the physical body of growing up. I was a boy, now I grew up, I grew up and became a man. I want you to see it. Look over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 now. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, look at verse number 8. Notice what he says here in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8. Charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, why is Paul using this picture? Can you picture it here? Okay, when I was a child, I acted like a child. When I got old and became a man, I put away those childish things. And he uses that in context with the, the, the gifts, the sign gifts that we see before this. What's he saying here? What's he talking about? I believe that it's to show that the church was in a process of development. It was in its infancy stage. It was his birth into the world. It was the beginning of the church. And as it grows, as it becomes more mature to maturity, those things that happen at infancy are done away with. We understand that even, and he uses that to make it easy for us to understand. We understand that as men, there's things we used to do as little boys. I hope you don't do the same things as, little, as men as you did as little boys. You know what I'm talking about. We need to grow up. Be a man. Put away the childish things. And Paul, he's telling the church at Corinth the same thing. And what he's talking about here, he's talking about that the tongues and the sign gifts, they appeared briefly in the early days of the church, that the church was being established. But once they, that occurred, once it was established, they were gone. They stopped. They belonged to the childhood of the church, the infancy of the church. Today, the church's life and ministry is founded not on somebody prophesying, not somebody saying that God gave me a word that I'm going to give to you because you don't have the ability to hear it unless I present it to you like the prophets of old. And prophesying, we have the finished word of God. We have the perfect word of God right here. We hold it within our hands. We put, we put away those childish things. The, the thing that was perfect has come. We see the, the, the growing, the maturing of the church. We see the, 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 the fulfillment of the word of God. And so there's no need for these sign gifts any longer. And so the tongues gift was given to enunciate God's judgment, number one. Number two, to indicate God's purpose. Thirdly, to authenticate God's servants. To authenticate them. And I want you to just think about this for a moment. 
Put yourself in the time frame of what's going on there. In that day, people were worshiping a lot of different things. In, in uh, Israel, people would have been worshiping Jehovah. They'd have been going through the Old, Old Testament, the Old Covenant. They'd have been going through the Old Covenant and, and following the, the rituals that they had gone through um, of, of cleansing and going to the temple and offering up sacrifices, all the things that they did. And with all the things, and on top of all of that, sadly to say, all the different rabbinical laws that had been added to what they were supposed to be doing as a child of God, as a, as a child of the king, as a, a person that was part of, of God's family. All of that had been added. And so when Jesus preached, people got angry, man. They were upset. And, and think about it from now the Gentile perspective. In Rome, what was going on? In, in Greece, there was a lot of Greek things that were passed down to the people. Um, many people, the, the, the known language in that day, the, the primary number one world language would have been Greek. They'd have been speaking a lot of Greek traditions that they had. You can go and look at, even today, the places where they, um, Caesarea Philippi, all these different uh, pagan temples that are still there today that you can see that people would have been worshiping these false gods. People would have been worshiping Caesar. That's why they, they would name towns after him. Caesarea, Caesar Philippi. It's in the area of. Philippi would have been uh, one of the sons of, of King Herod. And he had that area. And they would name places after it. you got Caesarea by the, by the sea as well. That's over by Joppa, right on the Mediterranean Sea. And they would build these great big temples. And people would worship these false gods. Now comes along, okay, Jesus Christ. He's... Beaten, tortured, hung on a tree, dies, buried, he raises again. People aren't going to believe it. Many of them won't. Many people are going to hear that message and think this is crazy. You're talking about only one God? You're, you're talking about, now you're talking about Jesus Christ that is a new covenant? Jews would have rejected that. This was a very difficult thing for them. What was going on, with, uh, they had a difficult message, whether you were Jew or Gentile. It was very difficult for them to receive that. And so what proof was there that this Jesus was Messiah and Savior? How could men know what the apostles preached was accurate? God solved this problem by granting to the apostles and those closely associated with them mighty signs and wonders, and they served to corroborate the message of the man. So people would see this, and the Jews, they would know fulfillment of prophecy and what they were doing. It was, it was once again for them to see that these were truly men that were sent by God to give the message from God, that Jesus Christ is who he said he was. Let's look at a couple of verses that talk about this. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. Notice on the screen what it says. Truly the signs of an apostle are wrought among you in all patience, and signs and wonders and mighty deeds. He's telling them once again, signs of the apostle was wrought among you. And you saw those things, all right? And then the writer of Hebrews said this in Hebrews 2, 4. He says, God also bearing them witness both with signs and wonders and with diverse miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost according to his own will. All right, so we see that right here, these verses, they tell us why they did it. They were showing these signs of the apostles just so they could say who they were. Now let me ask you a question tonight. Think about this with me. Were the apostles unique? Yes or no? Were they unique? Josiah, are you an apostle? No. Were they unique? Very unique. They had absolute guidelines for being an apostle. First of all, they had to be chosen directly by Christ. We see it in Luke 16, 13, where he chooses them. They were eyewitnesses of his resurrection. 
They had the, the, the power to work miracles. We see that in Acts chapter 5 and chapter 18. And, and many different places we see that. They were also those that, that, that were, were called. Okay, they had a specific purpose, specific time. They had these miracles they were able to perform. And the miracles that they were able to perform were temporary. They were temporary. Next week, I'm going to be talking about, actually two weeks from now. In two weeks, I'm going to go back and we're going to look at exactly how temporary they were. I don't want to do it tonight because I don't have time, but we're going to go and actually look at the actual chronological order in the, the New Testament when we see the gifts being used, sign gifts, and when they ceased. And we can actually see that in the New Testament. We can make a transition by looking at it. But here we see, thinking about an apostle, they were very unique. They had these sign gifts. They were able to do things that, that, that were revealing who they were. And so I want to look at another verse of Scripture. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Let's look at this verse for a moment. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 19. What was the purpose of the apostles? Let's look what it says here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the, what's the next word? Apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, being the most important part, but it's talking about a foundation here, being built upon. Now when a person constructs a building, he puts a foundation down one time, preferably, right? (laughs) You hope you have to only do it one time. That's what's supposed to happen. And then you build the, the remainder of the building around it, the superstructure around it. You're building up above it, on top of the foundation. The foundation is laid. It's a one-time thing, and then you build upon that. All right, picture the church now. The church is built upon the foundation of the prophets, on top the, the, upon the foundation of the apostles, and, and then obviously Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. And then the church is built on top of that. And so you, you look at it from the perspective of the apostles had a foundational role for the church. Remember, we're talking about a transition from the old to the new. We're talking about the birth of the church. We're talking about the foundation of the church. That's the role of the apostles. And so if the gift of apostleship was temporary, and if that gift, gift was attested by other gifts, including tongues, then the need for those attesting gifts no longer exists. Foundation has already been laid. We are building a that. In other words, if these signs were given to confirm the ministry of the apostles and there's no more apostles, then it seems obvious that these signs, which were accompanied the ministry of apostleship, is no longer needed. We don't need that today. And you know what Paul says? He once again he said that tongues shall cease. Tongues shall cease. Interesting, that word there, cease, the Greek word, it it literally means to cease permanently. It's definitive. It means it's going to happen. And it's not going to start once again. It was for a time, it was for a place, it was for a select people. It's going to stop, and it's it's going to be something that will cease, he says. And so, if the tongues is supposed to still be present in the church today, as some would say, then something's wrong. Something's terribly wrong. First of all, where are the apostles? And that's one of the things that people will say today. Well, I'm an apostle. Um, no, unless you meet the qualifications. Hey, and be really leery of somebody that says, I'm a prophet. 
And by the way, there's some really high restrictions for being a prophet in the Old Testament. And by the way, if you make a prophecy and it doesn't come true, you know what we're supposed to do, don't you? Anybody know? They're supposed to kill the prophet. There's all kinds of people that claim to be prophets and making prophecies that don't all come true. They're making this proclamation. Whether they say it's, whether it comes true or not doesn't matter to me because there is no such thing as a prophet today. There is no such thing as an apostle today. Those were from the old. That was a foundation built upon. We don't have that any longer. And as a result, the gift that was given, the gifts, the sign gifts that were given are no longer for us today. Like again, once again, we can go back and say, are people being raised from the dead? No. Are people being healed? Now, can God still answer prayer? Absolutely. I've seen that myself. I've seen people healed. I've seen God heal people. There's no question about that. But it's not a sign gift. It's not a gift that I have the power to come and touch you on your head and heal you. What I can do, though, is do exactly what the Word of God says. As we come together with, with leaders within the church, spiritual leaders within the church, and anoint with oil a picture of the Holy Spirit of God and of healing, and to pray over that individual. The Word of God tells us to do that. But that's not a gift of healing. That's the power of prayer. And God does heal. I've seen God do it. And so it's not a matter of that. But the, 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 these speaking in tongues... Now let me ask you this. Why do our missionaries take several years at times to learn a new language? Think about that for just a moment. Why are they wasting their time? Why is the Trinitarian Bible Society having to take years to learn new languages in order to translate the Texas Receptus into a language that the common man can speak in that new tongue? Why are they having to learn that language? Why is it that when we send missionaries over to Papua New Guinea that they have to spend years trying to learn the dialect of the local people before they can even start trying to interpret the Bible for them? I'm giving you examples of things that are absolute that are happening today. And it's a, it's a common knowledge thing, common understanding. Why is it that we do those things if the gift of tongues is still relevant for today? If the gift of tongues is relevant for today, do you think that God doesn't want people to be saved? You think that God doesn't want people to hear the gospel? Well, then why doesn't God give the gift of tongues to every missionary that's been called to the mission field? They don't have to learn the language. They just go over there and speak, and the people hear it in their language. Think about that. It doesn't make any sense. It's nonsensical. It makes no sense at all. And to say that the gift of tongues is still relevant for today, and yet there are missionaries that go to a, uh, into a country where the people, they have to learn the language. Now, here's the what if, right? They, they, they do this. The devil likes to do stuff like that with abortion. What about the person that's been forced into having this child? What about the person that was raped? What about this? What about that? Gender. What about that person that has the, uh, improper chromosomes, and, and you're not sure if they're male or female, which is such a small percentage? It's, it's, it's called a, what's the word for it? Uh, when somebody has an anomaly or a, uh, it's not the norm. Um, it's a defect is what it is. And yes, there are small amount, very small. They'll use that for the whole argument. They'll use the same thing for the whole argument. They'll say something like this. Well, God has done that. And I would agree that God has. I have talked to missionaries that have given me testimony of the fact that they were speaking and the people heard in their own language. Was that a sign gift? No. God did a miracle. God still can do miracles. But they weren't doing it. They weren't speaking in some blah, 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 blah. And mumbling. 
No, the people actually heard the language because God spoke to them. The Holy Spirit of God can still do that today. But that's not the norm. It can happen. It's called a miracle. God, God is still in the miracle working business, there's no question. But not sign gifts. We have to make the distinction between the two. God can do whatever he wants to do. I'm not putting God to box, but we see God has defined what he did and how he works. And today he works in a different way as far as there's no need for apostleship. There's no need for the sign gifts. We don't see them today. Um, God can still work miracles and God can still heal people. God can still allow people to hear something in their own language, but that is not a sign gift. Sign gift meaning this is a sign that I, first of all, if you look at every, every instance, Every instance, there were always Jews that were present, and it was a sign to the Jews. These are sign gifts for them. And to, to understand, they were unbelievers, unbelieving Jews that needed to hear. Um, that, and, and once again, without, now they were without excuse because God has fulfilled the prophecy that he had given them. And they still would not hear, as Isaiah said. Again and again, we see that happening with God's people. And so, it's pretty, for me, it's obvious when we see that, that they're having to learn the languages. It's because... The gift does not exist today. It is not something that God has given and used in the same way that he did here at the birthing of the church. I'm going to stop there. Next week, I'm going to go, we're going to go back and look at talking about ceasing, when it ceased, when we see written record of the fact that it did cease. When I say written record, I'm talking about lack of. If this was something that was so prevalent and used within the church, we would see it through the epistles. We don't. The letters to the churches. And so next week, we're going to break that down. Two weeks from now, we're going to look at it. Next week, we're going to be having pies and praise and giving thanks to the Lord. Let's all stand up. We'll have a word of prayer. Lord, thank you for allowing us to open your word tonight. I pray, Lord, that we would continue to grow in our understanding. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to not um, allow ourselves to be drawn away, uh, Lord, with uh, false teaching, um, even though sometimes they do have a feel feels good. Lord, if it's contrary to your word, we ought to stand against it and stand secure in your word. Lord, I thank you for the church. We thank you that we can build upon it. Lord, you've laid the foundation. Lord, you've commanded us to continue to expand it and grow, Lord, for people to be saved and be added to your kingdom. I pray, Lord, that you would um, help us, Lord, to, um, to have the truth from your word, that you would reveal it, make it very plain and clear. Help us, Lord, to be able to 